quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Well, damn it, Bob, I will be a ghetto niggas in the hoods, uncle. Perfect. If you look at her tig old bitties, straight out the doctor's room to the OnlyFans, there she goes. Oh, we already know. You just got it done. What is poking out for? What is falling out for? What is falling out for? What is falling out for? You just got it done. You got them calling out, yo. You done switching number. Why they calling out for? Heavy on the stepping, but I'm walking out slow. Heavy on the stepping, but I walk, 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 walk. Heavy on the stepping, shorty bought herself a baby bed. 70 on 7. Welcome to the No Clue Podcast, episode 113. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler. I'm Mike. We Great have return. song pick for the intro. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like that was important an important track on the album. We'll get to. Yeah. Um. So the finals, first game. Yeah, it was it was a quick one. <laughs> I'm be honest, man. I don't really have much to say about it. <laughs> I feel like I have to muster up things to say at some point. I have some things to say, but man, what a blowout! I mean, a murder. We witnessed the first round of yeah. the, I mean, first I mean, game in the finals. The Lakers. The one thing I saw that I guess stands out to me. Uh, the Lakers lived up to why I considered them the best team in the league all year. Mm-hmm, which is because they're bigger than every other team by far. Yep. And they are role roles are more defined than any other team. Mm-hmm. And that was on full display. Yeah, it was on full display. I just, you know, shout out to Vogel by the way on the roles. That's one of his right. One of right. his go to things. And some things like some things that have slightly hurt them. We talked about last week was he kind of doesn't get away from them at certain points. Mm-hmm. But you see, like, their role players come in and they always know what they're going to be doing. Yep. Like, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it after the game with the other teams that have been eliminated at this point. You look at Denver, for example. Mm-hmm. We just watched five games. Could you tell me what Gary Harris's role is on the Denver Nuggets? <laughs> no, not you really. You can't. And he's a starter. And he's, you know, he's one of their like key rotation guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at you look at Milwaukee. I don't know what Porter's role was on the team. Right, right. I mean, you could. There's like two to three important players on every playoff team that I question w- what their job is. Mm-hmm. And to me, the Lakers don't have that. Right. I, I even think Miami, to a much lesser extent, suffers from that. I don't think it's that much lesser, but yes, I mean, well, yeah, I guess it is much lesser because they're in the finals. But right, you know, when they're playing bad, I notice it just as much as I notice it for anyone else. Right, and and the Lakers kind of understand what their struggle is. Mm-hmm. Their only struggle is shooting the ball. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously being locked in from start to finish, but they're so good. And, and we just sometimes. saw they could come out looking like they didn't warm up. Yeah. For the first five minutes, and then all of a sudden they're up ten at halftime. Right. Consistent energy is is one of their um, smaller yeah. issues, but but that's one of the things minor. that makes them so good is their backup players are consistent with energy. 
Yeah. And they, they could see how the starters are playing, and their backup guys always come in, like, picking up full court, pressuring guys, being aggressive. Yep. And, you know, you, you double that up with their size, and they're just unstoppable at times. Yep. Now, who, um, Rondo was there last year, right? Yes. Right. And they had Luke Walton last year? Yes. See, that, Rondo was the biggest, um, role thing that I've noticed. Like, complete flip to this year. Because when Rondo was out there last year, it was like, I almost wanted, I almost begged them to trade Rondo. Because I'm like, you're wasting... Yes. What he does, it yes. looks it looked terrible. Rondo only looked good when LeBron wasn't there. And when you say wasn't there, like when he wasn't at the game at all. <laughs> yeah. Because when he was playing, I mean, even when he played and like he, Rondo came in for him, it still didn't come in right. Yeah. It still looked a mess. Yeah. Um. So this year, I mean, Rondo comes in and he he looks stellar the whole time he's in there. Every time. Yeah, dude, one thing one thing I thought wouldn't last is his hot shooting. And I told everybody that I talk basketball with, like, yo, you, Rondo does this every time. He comes off an injury, and his jump shot looks good because he's comfortable. He's been working on it. And then he cools off, like, after, you know, five, ten games. Mm-hmm. But he has not cooled off. <laughs> no, he hasn't. He I hasn't. mean, at this point, he, like... Sometimes he seeks out bad shots and makes them. Rondo, if he played, you know, 35 minutes, he probably could get a triple-double every game again. Yeah, he just can't really defend for, like, you know, full-game starters minutes. No, yeah. Well, not on, you know, some of the guys he has to defend. But, he, I mean, he had 7-3-4 and four in the last game, and he really didn't have to play at all. They still would have right. won the game. I mean... Right, but one thing, like... One thing I've loved about Rondo is he makes them play faster. He does. Like, he forces everybody on the floor to play faster. And I said this, I guess, last year. My biggest issue with Rondo was, um, and it wasn't Rondo, but it was him being out there with Ingram yeah. and, and Kuzma, and they would not take the shots that Rondo handed them. Yes. Wide open shots. They would not take them. Ingram would get wide open at the three. Rondo would give him a nice, uh, should be assist. And Ingram would go to the basket, get fouled, miss the free throws. Kuzma would take, you know, a pump fake, step back, three. When Rondo, he had a wide open shot in the first place. This year, you know, and I don't want to just blame Ingram for that because obviously that can happen with anybody. But this year I've seen guys, they know that when Rondo gives it to me, this probably should be an assist. Yep. 85% of the time, if Rondo passes it to you, he expects you to be able to score from that position. That's the kind of point guard he is. And um, and they're doing it. I mean, I'm saying this, this may seem minor for people who don't know a lot of basketball and don't watch the games that closely, because obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis went bananas this last game. But Rondo's impact on the rest of the team is what is important yes. to me. It, that's why um, I'm highlighting Rondo because people will be like, "Oh, you only have four assists," but it's those four assists to got role guys who normally 
you know, may not even be able to score by themselves. Danny Green, Caruso, you know, Morris here and there, they they can't score on their own. Right. Caldwell Pope, maybe pump fake and he'll drive or something. But, you know, these guys aren't scorers. So it's that second point guard, which they haven't had really. Lonzo was, you know, Lonzo's best pass is the uh, outlet pass. That's it. Right. Um, so <laughs> they look great, man. They move the ball so well. Everyone looks like they get good looks. Yeah, and and one thing when they lock in defensively, and I I don't really, it's hard for me to point what it is that makes them lock in. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it seems like it's that second unit of guards. Like Caruso's mm-hmm. always like a pest on defense. KCP becomes a pest all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And they just, like, their energy just changes. You know, I see a lot of guys who don't mind fouling out of the game. Yeah. Which is, sounds silly, again, for people who don't know basketball. But it's so important. It's so important. And the Heat, if any team, should have guys who don't mind fouling out of the game. But, you know, the Lakers, Caruso says, okay, I foul out. My impact is so minor. I mean, his impact helps when he's in there. But his impact off of it, I mean, they don't necessarily need him. They could plug in another guy to do that. Exactly. They have guys who are expendable and know they're expendable Yep. on the court. And that's, you know, they go out there and pl- play their heart out. They play physical, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Okay, foul out. Cool. Next guy. Next the, up. Their size just gives them such luxury, too. It, yeah. The I help, mean, luxury. I they mean, have they have genuine rim protectors. Yeah. How much do you really need to help? Exactly. They got it. Exactly. As long as you make them take, you know, a slightly tough shot. Oh, Dwight. Dwight has been sending stuff left and right, man. He has. And one thing you see, you see role players hesitating when they're driving at Anthony Davis and Dwight and JaVale and even LeBron a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I look at, again, going back to some of the other playoff teams, Brooke Lopez blocks, blocks a lot of shots, but nobody seems to fear him. You know, know what the difference is? Dwight and JaVale McGee like blocking shots. Right. That's, that's the biggest thing. Like, even Whiteside, he blocks a lot of shots. He's led the league in blocks, but I don't see Whiteside liking to block shots. Like, it, it's cool. Yeah, I, you know, it's my job. You, you know, it's like having it. You have a job or you love your job. <laughs> Dwight loves his job. He loves it. Yeah. That's why when he blocks shots, he's immediately laughing. He's pointing. He's, you know, doing the binoculars or the, you know, blocking the sun out of his eyes thing. Yeah. Every time. I mean,. Whiteside blocks a shot and it's like, all right, yeah, I got that. That's cool. You know, it, it's, a, it's a big difference. Yeah, it's just their energy level is kind of like, it seems different than every other team I've seen so far. Absolutely. Uh, and one thing that, like, they, again, they know how to play bad offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like, to me, they're better at struggling to score than other teams and still mm-hmm. being able to, like, outplay the other team. Mm-hmm. Explain that a little bit. Because they, when they fall back to, you know, we don't feel like cutting and moving and playing with high energy, so we're just going to force feed AD. 
Mm-hmm. What do the Clippers do when their offense breaks down? What does Kawhi Leonard get? An awful three-pointer, an awful pull-up, PG, tough three-pointer, Lou mm-hmm. Will, tough fadeaway. AD yeah. gets inside, like he forces the ball inside. Yeah. And to me, like they control the kinds of bad shots they get because they just play out of the post. Right. They do the same thing with LeBron. And, you know, LeBron's not as much of a scoring threat out of the post. But with LeBron coming out of the post, you have to focus on every other guy on the court. Yeah. So now, as soon as you relax, they're back to getting great shots. Right. And to me, Miami is not going to have a way to counter that. Because when Miami's cold, they look awful. Awful. That was, we, that was what we said coming into the playoffs is... Miami's hot and cold shooting is is very weird. Yeah. Cause and that's what we saw in game one. And the difference is, you know, it's defense, but it's more than that. Because Miami has guys who, if they're not scoring, they might as well not be there at all. Yes. Duncan Robinson might as well have not come to the game. Hero, you know, I like Hero. Hero's been playing well, but if he's not getting shots off... I mean, he's nothing. He's not doing anything. And Spolstra has kind of given it away that he's their backup point guard at this point. Yeah. To me, to me, when they played through Bam, regardless of the guards, it looked like it was just kind of basic offense. Because mm-hmm. cause really, they don't really have a point guard on the exactly. team. Exactly. And, and that's fine. Because like you said, when they played through Bam, it worked, and he could run the offense. But, you know, Dragic is just... I like Dragic at the point, but he's not a point guard. Like, yes. it's just clear. Dragic, um, Dragic is is all time great at controlling his own game, but he really doesn't control anybody else's game. No, he doesn't. And his assist numbers are inflated because the team is just so. Um, that's so another. That's another reflection of Miami's hot and cold shooting. Yeah. Uh, to me, like, like when you're playing the ball, when you're playing poorly on offense i don't want jay crowder jacking i don't want duncan robinson jacking i want jimmy butler to force the ball inside right jimmy every time you bump somebody they fly off your shoulder yeah but you don't want to drive and move the ball to other guys who shouldn't even be dribbling his post fade is so underrated for sure like in his mind is underrated it's not underrated to anyone who ever sees it or has to guard it but for some reason, he uses it, like, twice a game, maybe? Yeah. He just, like, doesn't like to control the offense for extended periods of time. Yeah. And to me, he had to, in midway through that second quarter, once Tyler Harrow cooled off, Yeah. I, I was immediately looking at the game. Like, if Jimmy Butler doesn't start forcing shots every play, it's over. Yeah, and I, I said, what was that? This halftime, I said, you know, Jimmy's scoring but i don't like how he's playing you're right he was scoring but he wasn't being aggressive yep and it's two completely different things you could score all you want and not be an aggressive player and you know i i don't i don't really get it i get maybe that's what he thinks his role is maybe the team expects him to just you know score when he can yeah and not score when they need it but, but one good thing about Miami is Dragic would take a lot of that pressure off of Butler mm-hmm. because that was Dragic's game. 
Mm-hmm. Like Dragic always, when the team is playing well, he's he's just kind of out there. But when they're playing poorly, all of a sudden, oh, I didn't know Dragic gets the most shots on this team. Yeah. And that, that kind of dynamic, I thought Butler could step up, especially with Dragic being out for the second half. Uh-huh. But Miami looked like they just gave up instead. Yeah. And it was really, it was tough to see. And, you know, I didn't want to give up watching because it was the finals game. But I, I could have turned this shit off three minutes into the second half and been completely fine. I agree. I mean, this game, if, you, if you're not talking about the second quarter, you really didn't watch this game. <laughs> right. And the Lakers just dominated them in every way. Yep. I mean, once I saw Dwight making Jokic-esque passes... I was like, dude, how how is Miami gonna come back from this? <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's when when I saw Dwight do the goggles is when he fucking caught it like at the three point line and dumped it down to AD for an open dunk. Yeah. Like mid drive, which usually results in if he's driving from the three, it's usually a charge. Yeah. But for him to have the control to see his teammates, and I thought the Lakers all night just did such a good job of making one extra pass. Yeah. And sometimes that's all it takes. Danny Green, three blocks. Oh, yeah. For Miami, that's unacceptable. For sure. <laughs> but, like, you can't... You're going to have to play two big men. Yeah. You have to. I don't know if it's Myers Leonard. I don't know if it's, you know, ancient Udonis Haslam. Just to take flagrant fouls out there. Yeah. But you can't do this whole, we're going to zone up and AD is going to be guarded by our wing players. And Olenek has to like actually play center for a night. Not yeah, play... I, I don't know if that's going to happen. but Not play seven foot <laughs> sharp shooting uh, spot up yeah. shooter. It's just, it's just the last two series, I'm starting to notice a trend where the Lakers just kind of become this overly physical team and leave it up to the refs to figure everything out. Yeah. And the other team just can't match that physicality. Cause like you said, guys are afraid to foul out. Yeah. Yeah. And and that speaks on coaching. You know, guys will take a foul for LeBron and A D. Right. They'll just take it. If you know if LeBron might get beat, oh, here comes Caruso out of nowhere with like a random hack. Dude. And Dude, the Lakers, like one, the but... Lakers take a foul because LeBron sometimes just doesn't feel like getting back. Yeah, it happens a lot too. It does, yeah. Kuzma's another one who's like the <laughs> take a, take one for the team foul guy. Yeah, even though he helps them scoring, is like sometimes when it's someone LeBron probably should be guarding, Kuzma right. gets stuck out there and you just know gets he just has to for foul. like a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, and then he just starts fouling and then. <laughs> He comes out, and then LeBron gets back in, and he's guarding yeah. him again, and the balance is restored. Yeah, the just the Lakers look so complete, man. It's it's crazy. They look so, and this is another reason why I have to give so much credit to Vogel. They look so complete, but they're really not that good on paper. They're limited. They should be very limited. Yeah. And offensively, should... a lot of the times they are. Yeah. But it's, it's almost like they know that. But they arguably have the two, you know, as far as IQ goes, two top IQ point guards in the league. Two out of five being LeBron and Rondo. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, 
is so clear when they when they're using their IQ. It just you just see it, you see it all. Yeah. You just see what um, what Shumpert said about LeBron's IQ. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. That was cool. I I uh I urge any everyone to go look that up. Go look up um Shumpert talking about LeBron. Yeah, this is IQ. this is where like I, I think LeBron, it's kind of his greatest strength and at times his greatest weakness, mm-hmm. because he is he controls the whole game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for the other team, but he's still controlling the whole game. <laughs> you give me an example of when he has for the other team recently. Uh, for the other team recently, oh game uh, game one of Portland. Oh yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Uh, game one of Houston as well. <laughs> yeah. The two the two weird losses for them. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. And again, I've, like I've said, it's it comes down to LeBron. Yeah. When LeBron comes in, and you saw it, the second unit picked up the energy. All of a sudden, Miami's lead is shrinking. Now LeBron comes into that, into that momentum. He doesn't even have to like control the game he could just dominate on every level right and i i think also this is in this particular series we see that miami has no one that controls the game exactly and it's i mean don't get me wrong lebron is one of the best in the league at it rondo is one of the best in the league at it but they're not so good that if the other team has one that they can't still be beat but Miami, they don't have it. And there's, to be fair, there's a very small supply of those players. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Chris Paul's another one. Yep. Um, I would say Steph, and at very rare times Draymond as well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, after that, I gotta think about it. Lowry's maybe another one. Lowry's definitely one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the Celtics, it's really only smart. Who's capable yeah. of doing that? Nobody else really could control the game. Yeah, right. And, and that's what I, I mean, was so critical about the previous round and the Clippers collapse is a lot of these star players, they get put in this like top tier category when mm-hmm. their shot making is the only way they can dominate the game. Right. And to me, as a great player, that should be unacceptable. Right, I agree. Jokic is another guy who obviously could control the game. Kimba's had flashes of it when he had, when he was all the team had, but it's it's not the same because these guys, like you said, it's just on every every part of the game. Um, I you know, this may be a long shot, but I'd say John Wall that was one of his strengths. Yeah. Um, when he was in his like kind of prime, that twenty thirteen fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. It was completely agree. Uh, one of Derrick Rose's strengths too. One of them. Yeah, and Derrick Rose oh. is, is even is really impressive because he really wasn't that much of a point guard. No, he wasn't. But he still found a way to control the game and get, like, he got late Carlos Boozer involved. Yeah. I mean, come on. that's That in itself is a good, an impressive skill to me. He had this elite presence yes. where, I mean, anyone who likes Derrick Rose knows he barely speaks. So... For him to be so quiet and yet so dominant, dominating for the team is like, it was really, uh, really impressive. And it just speaks to his, like I said, his silent leadership. 
Yeah. It was his presence. And, you know, LeBron has the same thing, obviously. Right. Uh, LeBron just looks at guys and they know what to do. Right. And I think I think LeBron, if he obviously, you know, it looks like he's going to win the finals this year. I think mm-hmm. if they go back to back next year, uh, he's he's going to have legitimate Jordan comparisons now. Yeah, I would say so. Because now he's evening out the ratio at that at this point he's what eleven twelve finals. Yeah, I mean that's that in he's, itself is crazy and he's one of only four I think they said. Yeah. Yeah. You just gotta even out the the win loss ratio. Just like a couple, there's just two more finals I think it'd be straight. Yeah, I think this year more than you know I I don't I don't want to sound like a hater on the Heat years. But to me, although he played the best, I don't consider him leading that team to the finals, to the championship. And that's just, just because I don't, I never saw him as the leader of the team. I still always saw Wade as it and, you know, the coaching. But on Cleveland, he clearly led, he led that team to the finals. Yeah, I think since Miami, he's been kind of a leader in every aspect. Yeah. In Miami, he didn't have to be that. Right. But that comes back to what we talked about with Miami as far as, far as culture goes. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, it was just less on his shoulders. Now, you know, now because I think so low of Anthony Davis as a leader, I put a lot of credit into LeBron leading this team. And that's not to disrespect Anthony Davis. I just don't think that's his, that's his thing. It's just not who he is. Uh, but... LeBron is definitely leading this team again. But the, the Lakers have this interesting opportunity to kind of, as LeBron, you know, winds down, mm-hmm. uh, AD could kind of take some of his leadership aspects. And he obviously doesn't have to become the leader. Mm-hmm. But if he could kind of take some elements of that and at least apply it to his game, how he kind of controls the game's progression... Yeah. I mean, I think the Lakers could be great for years. I agree. You know, I mean, not to not to mention, I don't even know if LeBron is going to wind down. Right. LeBron could be stuck in this, like, kind of old but still unstoppable for, like, three more years. Right. Because he, he only looks old when he takes layups. <laughs> yeah. That's it. When he dunks, yeah. when he defends, when he rebounds, I'm like, dude, he's still the same athlete. Yeah. But on layups sometimes I can see like, yeah, he just doesn't eat contact as easily as he used to at times. Right. Uh but it's just the Lakers have so many options moving forward, man. They do. They do. They really do. It's you know, I mean, they they're going to have a decent decent opportunities at the draft um because of trades um they're gonna be good they're gonna be good for a while i think i mean if anthony davis stays <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't want to predict off-season moves until we get to that point <laughs> i'm not i'm not predicting i'm just saying i mean he said on multiple occasions there's no nothing he has no loyalty <laughs> yeah I wouldn't be surprised if he left. I'll t- I'll give you that. Yeah, there's a good coach in Chicago now. But is there anything you could give me as far as like what Miami could do to to come back if they're all healthy? Health, that's their their guess. That's their only chance. 
No, I'm I'm asking you like Yeah, you just for the me? sake of argument, yes. <clears throat> um Miami will have to limit how much they rely on the guys who can't you know, score at will. Like Crowder, you know, I think how many shots does Butler take? Butler needs at least 20 shots. At least. I, I can't give Tyler Hero more shots than Jimmy Butler. Never. Never, ever, ever. Only if he's hot. And, I mean, it's scorching. Right. Like, he has to get... He better get 30. Right. If he's taking more shots. Um, You know, none should not be only two shots less than Jimmy. I don't care if it was garbage time. I swear the Lakers let him play well just so spo- like just a full Spolster into playing him next game. <laughs> yeah. I hope Spolster doesn't make that mistake. Robinson, you let it fly all last series. Twenty seven minutes, three shots. Come on, man. Yeah. That- Dude, I would I would chew him out after every game if he plays twenty five plus minutes and takes less than seven shots. Yeah. I, and if I'm Miami, I'm only going, I'm only going eight deep. Honestly, wait, let's see, first five: Hero, Iguodala, Derek Jones. That's it. I don't want Olenek and, and none out there. Honestly, I mean, unless none plays exactly how he played this last game, I don't want him out there because I saw the rest of the playoffs. N O N E Kendrick Nunn. It was terrible, dude. The, it's just. I like that strategy, but you can't sustain it against the Lakers. You can't, but... They're just too like, physical for that. Like I said, at the end of the day, Jimmy needs 20 shots. And I need to see what they look like when Jimmy takes 20 shots on the Lakers. And then game three, we'll figure it out. Because I don't even know how to gauge it when my best player isn't even taking as many shots as a rookie. I don't understand. I don't understand why Butler, like just stops being aggressive even when he's getting buckets <laughs> it's the weirdest thing i've ever seen I, in my life dude i don't know any other player me. in history that did that it kills me like he thinks my it's like he thinks miami's like better than they are I, honestly if jimmy butler really wanted to lead the league in any category he wanted to he could right he's just he has i mean his handles are suspect but there's really no other flaw to his game. And I'm not saying he's like an elite scorer, elite shooter. But, I mean, his size and his athleticism is yeah, and super he, elite. And he's he's got the tools because he knows how to draw fouls. So. He knows how to draw fouls. He's an amazing pump fake uh, god. I mean, his post... He's the um, you know, inside-outside threat of, like, too big for guards and... Too quick and too strong for, you know, some forwards. Because yep. a lot of the, you know, small forwards aren't, like, they're not all strong. You know, they're like Durant. There's, right. you know, guys like that. I mean, KCP cannot guard Jimmy Butler on any on any point on the floor. Yeah, and I don't understand. You, you give LeBron, like, two, three buckets to start the game, and then you just stop attacking him. Um, what I said about Kawhi Leonard, <clears throat> about him taking so long to have the ball six, seven, eight seconds. Jimmy is like, like the most elite three dribble scorer in the league to me. 
Like from any anywhere he catches it with only three dribbles, Jimmy can give you a bucket. Like more than probably yeah. anyone in his position, I would say. Yeah. And and that's where that's all he needs to do. I mean, every time down court, he should have a look. That's what I really hate about Miami. I hate when they go up and down the court four or five times and Jimmy doesn't touch the ball. Duncan touches it every time. Dragic, you know, gets a wild floater every yeah. time. Bam touches it every time. It's like Jimmy sometimes is the only person who doesn't touch it some plays. And that's like the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, it's so odd too because like that's it's almost like the opposite of the Lakers where they just – they all just die, it seems like, and LeBron just holds it, or they force feed AD, and nothing happens. Right, and I get and they, mad, and I'm like, damn, somebody got to move or cut or do something. But if, if to me, if that's your best player, I can live with that. I can right. live with your best player being the only person touching the ball. But I'm that's cool the thing. with that. That's the thing. Miami seems to run that, like, and they never stop. Like everybody's always moving. And now Butler's in this weird dynamic of I gotta look at my cutters. I gotta find my guys <laughs> who are moving and guys who are slashing. No, Jimmy, attack, please. Yes, no more dishing it to Duncan on the cut or yes. you know or Jay Crowder. Yeah, they act like Jay Crowder has to get ten threes for them to like be competent offensively. <laughs> no you don't <laughs> I like when Crowder gets the first three of the game And then Make or miss they should just decide What happens after that Right. Like when he does get that first three And like they start For some reason that's like a kickstart for them yeah. A lot of times Cause like I don't know why His three like gives them so much energy But maybe it elevates his defense But <clears throat> Other than that No I don't need Crowder should never have four threes in the same quarter unless they all go in. Plain yeah. and simple. Unless the first three go in. That's one thing that's let me down about Crowder, though, is his defense has not looked as good this playoff run. No, it hasn't. It's looked kind of It's looked kind of lazy. But yeah, I'm I don't really to get know. concerned with the three and D part of his game. There's been sometimes, I mean, this last game, I didn't really know who he was supposed to be guarding. Like, sometimes he was on AD, next play he was on LeBron, next play he was on Kuzma, next play he was back on AD. And that's, you know, Miami plays that zone or they um, some, they switch a lot of stuff, but this is not this is not the series to be switching. You can't switch the series. Yeah, and I don't understand, zone, like, you went zone and then you allowed Danny Green to get a bunch of good shots. Right. So now, like Danny Green, who's been awful, now he might torch you next game. And the zone is every zone is tough when the big man can shoot like AD. Right. And if you put the big man to guard AD, it's a lob. And there's no one who can seal, you know, no one that Dwight cannot seal on Miami. Yeah. That's not Bam. Everyone else is getting sealed, or they're getting spun off of, yeah. which was. You know his go-to, Jameer Nelson, off the off the roll all day. Right. That fake floater. Yeah. One play it'd be a floater. Next play it'd be a lob. Yeah. Lakers got like almost every good scorer on the team can go be that middle guy and dominate in every way. Yeah. And every other team seems like like Boston struggled against Miami because they like didn't know who to put in the middle. 
Right. Every time was, they put Smart, Smart wouldn't shoot the ball. He'd only pass. Right. Tice then, would only take like one shot every five minutes. And Tice didn't make a jump shot the whole series. And then, you know, you got Dwight who can pass from that spot, exactly. which is tough. You know, JaVale could pass a little bit from that spot because he just puts the ball up in the air and no one can reach up and grab it. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's, you can't do that against the Lakers. I mean, you saw even when... um, Was it the Clippers that tried that on the Nuggets? The zone you're talking about? Yeah. Didn't they try a zone for a second? Yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was worthless. Because you got... Jokic who can shoot from that spot, who can pass from that spot. Yeah, because they didn't can... guard the middle guy. And then on top of that, they didn't rotate on anybody else either. Exactly. You got Grant who can, you know, who can pretty much do everything. Pass. Yeah. He can catch the lob. He can hit the jump shot. Then Millsap can do everything. So it's like nothing you can do when you have that versatile big man at the top of the zone who can come to the middle and it just, you know, it's over. Right. <laughs> you got a great alley-oop guy and you got a great great shooters yeah and you saw that on the flip side with the lakers when they zoned up against the nuggets in game three nuggets almost blew like a 20 point lead yeah in like five minutes but they zoned and focused on Jokic. exactly And, and that's the difference you really can't focus on anyone on the lakers exactly yeah yeah so and last thing i'll say before we move on uh is I, I'm starting to think the Lakers complaining are, is just to slow down the game. <laughs> Sometimes like, it is. Because I swear, they, they drag out games complaining to the refs. I'm glad the refs gave them that delay of game that time. I, I didn't think, I mean, I thought they would get away with it. But I'm glad they got it. When, like, um, like, I understand LeBron complaining every other play. You know, best player in the league, whatever. You, you mm-hmm. do what you want. But, like, the whole Lakers roster now has to complain and, like, walk directly up to the ref and have an extended conversation about why it wasn't a foul. Yeah. That Caruso should, should get teched every time he walks Danny Green? Dude, I would tech Danny Green if he ever had something to say to me. Yeah. Like, dude, you reach all the time. How are you going to tell me you're not fouling? He does reach all the time. Yeah. He took the the Butler call to his credit. That was a that was a good overturn. Mm-hmm. But my God, man, this Lakers complaining is it's just it's making it hard to root for them. It is, it is. Yeah, and if Miami, if those guys are hurt, if Bam and Dragic really are out, it's it's over. I mean, Dragic is hurt even if he's playing. Yeah. Like, but if you're out, not doing that like that stop that he does, and like layup fake that the European guys love to do. Yeah, dude, that shit is gonna hurt with his injury. Yeah, that fake he did the other night, um, that spun Dwight around, that was vicious. Yeah, but yeah, he if he's not playing, it's over. They might as well For just sure. go ahead and yeah. It's uh, the the Miami's not taking a single game. I don't I don't even know if they'll get close to taking another game without Dragic. Uh, like I said, the ring makers are making sure they got purple and yellow diamonds in stock because yeah. they got to be ready. I don't want to hear all this nonsense about the Lakers having a hard playoff or an easy playoff run when those same people thought they would lose to Portland. Right. By the way, just just 
throwing it out there because I'm seeing a lot of, you know, LeBron haters trying to say, like, oh, what an easy path. Easy path? Come on now. (laughs) Denver was not an easy path. The Lakers are just that good. And to be honest, no matter who they played, it would have been the same path. Exactly. I think they would have beat the crap out of the Clippers, too. That's that's crazy. Is that you? Have, some people have the audacity to say a team that couldn't get out, couldn't beat another team, was <laughs> waiting for harder. the Lakers. Like, no, what? You don't deserve to play the Lakers if you're waiting for the Lakers. Yeah, they're fighting in the locker room. They're rolling eyes when they're you know they're one of the best players is speaking. Yeah. The coach got fired. One of the best players unfollowed everybody and followed another team. I mean, like. You know, I mean, your sixth man of the year uh, followed another team and unfollowed the the roster. I mean, they had a whole bunch of other stuff going on, and it would have been yeah. going on against the Lakers. Yeah, well, let's get into them since uh, we've kind of covered everything we could say about the Lakers. Uh, you want to get into the the Montrezl thing or just the coach? Just let's start with the coach. Doc Rivers has been hired uh, by the Philadelphia 76ers. Good move. Eh. Could have taken a little more time to make it look like you're, you know, you were really searching for other people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I well. Yeah, I don't know if um, I'm not sure if I heard of anyone else interviewing for that job really. It's, so yeah, it's just weird to me, like. Doc should bring the one thing that he didn't do this past year. Which is his leadership. Yeah. But that's, now he that's where my older. That's where my question is, he's he could go back to what he does best is when he's leading the team kind of emotionally. Yeah. Because like you said, he couldn't assign it when it needed to be assigned. No, he couldn't. And to me, nobody on Philly that I could think of is ready for that. No. So he's he has to be that guy that he's been he's done well. Right. I mean, Doc, dude, it's crazy how much a year of a difference can make. I mean, coming out of last the year before this one, when he led the the who's on the roster Clippers to the playoffs, <laughs> and they took a couple games off a. Gold State at full force. Yeah. I mean, now it's just like I question everything I thought I liked about Doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, he's in a good position to take, like, let this team take a step further. Right. I don't know if, I don't know if Philly needs one step or maybe two or three <laughs> steps, but at least Explain he's getting that. that first step. Explain that. What do you think... I know what you're saying, leadership, but what exactly do you think that entails for the 76ers? Um, I think committing to guys who are playing well, guys who are mm-hmm. competing out there. Because mm-hmm. Philly, at ta- when Philly competes, they look a lot better than they really are. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been inconsistent since I've watched them. Right. You know, even with coming out of their trust the process years into actual contention mm-hmm. uh, and to me doc should bring a stability to you know how how kind of young their star players are mm-hmm. uh and and i'm hoping he could do that i don't know if i'm confident that he's gonna do that but mm-hmm. in the past that's where he's been at his best 
Yeah. And to me, a level of stability in your, not in your roster, but in your rotation, as far as the guys you put around your star players, mm-hmm. I think could help them improve at least a round or two further. What do you think has been Doc's strength over his career? Other than the, well, you're saying the emotional leadership, you think? Yeah, that he, brings, he brings a fire to, or he leads a fire for, from like young, uh, maybe teams that don't have a clear cut best player. Yeah, to me, he fills that role very well. Okay, because he's very animated. He's very energetic. Uh, he'll yeah. get after the refs for you, which as a play, I know all players like that shit. Yeah, uh, but but to me, it's just Philly's just an odd team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what exactly they're gonna need. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Embiid does take a step forward in his game, mm. or maybe Simmons takes that step that we've been waiting for him to take. Mm-hmm. So I just—it's hard for me to predict, but I hope I like the hire. I'll just say I like the hire. Okay. I um. I often struggle with that answer for what Doc's strength was because um. I think Doc requires respect from the players. And, you know, as a grown man, as a millionaire, multi-millionaire, I, I think I can imagine that being hard. Not for me, because I'm not that kind of guy. But I can imagine that being difficult for some guys. Because to me, this Clippers team that just played, they didn't look like they respected Doc at all. Not one player. Nobody. And it and it's not that... I don't know if it's something Doc did. Like, I don't know if it's a choice that Doc made that made them stop respecting him. Or if it's a, you know, a role he put someone else that made them stop respecting him. But I didn't see that respect that I saw on last year's team or on the first three years in Boston. Um... I didn't, I didn't see that. <clears throat> and, you know, after those first three or four years in Boston, I think once the respect kind of faded, that's when it kind of went crazy. I mean, that's what it looked like to me. Um, but I, I think that with a young team, a team that is um, looking for this sense of togetherness, I guess, I think uh, if they learn to respect Doc, I think they could be really, really tough. I think this could be, like you said, this could be the team that people are picking as favorites, you know, saying they're going to be tough in the playoffs and stuff. This could be that team. If if they have that respect for him and that trust in him where, you know, he's on the team. that's, That's the other thing. Like some coaches... I think Brett Brown, when he was coaching, it looked like he was just coaching the team or he was just talking to the team. When I, when Doc coaches, the passion he has as a coach, I think he looks like he's on the team. That's something that is different to me about Doc that I do like about Doc. Like you said, he'll argue with the refs for you. He, he feel, he feels like a player that's just not playing. Yeah. And I think that the Sixers do need that because they it seemed like they looked at the bench and there was just nobody there sometimes. And I'm not saying that Brett Brown was like 
you know, non-existent as a coach. He just didn't but, command the the team. He didn't. He didn't command the team, and he just. I I think he's one of those guys that, as a player, you think, well, like, can you? Could you even play? Like, could you do that? The stuff you're telling us to do. Like, he seems like that kind of guy. Right. But they won't have that thing. They won't have that problem with Doc at all, obviously, because he's a, you know, yeah. high-level player. I guess where I kind of want to disagree is it's kind of become a, the narrative that the Clippers were just, like, suspect all year. Yeah. When they really weren't. Now, no, they weren't. you were right when we talked about them getting bounced out initially. You made a very good point about how does a guy who played point guard for 15 years not understand that his team needs a point guard? Right. That problem is going to be solved for him. Absolutely. But on top of that, even with that huge flaw, they were up 3-1. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. like the Nuggets just exposed them, you know, like Miami did to the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh... They had the the chance. They outplayed them for a large chunk of time, and for three games, their stars underperformed. And mm-hmm. I would say most of their players underperformed. And where mm-hmm. Doc deserves criticism is he didn't change the structure of how they were playing around that, where they right. just struggled and they struggled the same way. But to me, I don't, I don't think he should be disrespected to the point that he can't come into a young team and elevate them a step further. I, I definitely think he can. Well, let me ask you this. The players... Um, wait, what did, you, what did you just say? Uh, about not having a point guard? No, about the Clippers. Uh, they didn't adjust oh, to yeah. the, the players not playing... You know, to the players underperforming. Yeah, Doc did Doc didn't make any like systematic changes or any kind of play adjustments. Do you believe that? That's that's the interesting point. Right, I Be- don't believe that because it comes back to what I'm saying uh, in the beginning. They didn't get swept or they didn't get bounced in five games. Right. They they were a team who for four games looked clear cut better than the Nuggets. Yeah. And then something changed. Well, yeah. obviously the Nuggets picked up their play play style and just played harder. Right. But the Clippers never kind of exceeded like as good as we have seen them to be. Right. And that was to me, again, because it's such a small sample size, that cannot be on all on Doc. Right. And that's how I feel about it. And, and that's why, I mean, for three straight games, Doc had to have said something that they did. They clearly did not listen to. Yeah. There's no way that I believe Doc said, okay, you know, just like last time, everybody. It, like, I, I don't I don't believe that. But they did do the stuff just like last time. So that's where I, I don't, for some reason, that's part of why I say I didn't see the respect for Doc from the team. And that, to me, you know what the problem is, honestly? Is your two best players, or your two... The guys who made you a clear-cut contender mm-hmm. are are just, like, garbage as far as leaders. At least together. Like, like utter... I think individually they're utter garbage. I mean, yeah, PG... Well, how many times has PG 
um, blamed somebody other than himself when he plays like shit. <laughs> you mean blame like the other team for being like? I'll give you an example. You remember the year they got swept, but they almost won game one. I want to say it was twenty seventeen. His last it... Indiana year. Okay. Yeah. When he so first when he was PG thirteen. When he in game one passed it to CJ Miles. Yeah, on the last shot. Yeah. Then, if you yeah. remember, after the game, CJ <laughs> got to pass me the ball back in that situation. Yeah, I need that back. I was supposed to get that back. Yeah, I remember that. You don't say that when you give the ball up in the first place. <laughs> right. Like, as a, as a good leader, you don't say that. Right. Or maybe you say that in a locker room. Don't say that to the media. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. I mean, okay. Then we flash forward to, I just got daggered in my mouth. Uh <laughs> It sent me home. Not only did it send me home, but the player who hit it waved at me to go home. <laughs> yeah. And Threw my the res- keys to the bus and said, go get it started. <laughs> and my response as the you know debatable best player on the team is, that's a bad shot. It was a, I don't think it was debatable, and you're, that was atrocious to say. I'm, I'm with you. I think, um, I do think... Paul George has done a really bad job of leading thus far in his career. And now you come out of this epic collapse. What's his first words? Oh, we weren't expected to win anything. Paul George, are you serious? The Clippers gave up five years of their, like, of their picks, five years of their future to get you. But y'all not expected to win the title? Yeah. If I'm Steve Ballmer, I got to have a meeting with him after that. More like six years, because Shea Gilders Alexander was part of their future, too. Exactly. And he's looking like a stud. (laughs) Yeah. And then you flip that, you know, Paul George is one thing. We've seen examples of Paul George. Right. You And you flip that to the, I would say, definitive best player on your team who just doesn't give a fuck. Right. And Kawhi, to me, what Paul George has shown to be kind of selfish and and blame-deflective... Kawhi just has shown me over the last six years that he does not care what the team is feeling, how the team is playing. He only concerns himself with his own game. Absolutely. I mean, to me, I I don't know how you argue that he's not one of the most selfish players in the league today. Yeah, I I think, I don't know how you argue that either. Yeah. Because he could say, you know, every time he plays well and they interview him, he could give the teammates all the credit. He could give the coaches all the credit. But he he plays the way he plays, and clearly nobody tells him to change his game. Or no, or he, or he doesn't, doesn't listen, listen to anybody that tells him to change his game. And that's where I think <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I think Doc's respect probably just flew out the window because he's exactly. out, outmanned. Yep. I think I think Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams respect Doc a lot. I think Lou loved playing for Doc, you know, for the, the last couple of years. But I didn't see anyone else on the court that I thought was, like, trusting in Doc. Not one other player. Yeah, Montrezl kept getting mad for coming out when he was getting torched. And the team even said it. Exactly. Montrezl has no energy on defense. It's all on offense. And then he disappears on defense. And but this part team, of the again, reason when you talk to players are such awful leaders, not even like they're just selfish basketball players. Yeah. That's what you get. And to me, I can't picture a coach overcoming that. 
Right. Like it would have to be somebody who just can command maybe like a early 2000s Phil Jackson. Yeah. Or it'd have to be somebody like a mid mid 2000s or 90s Pat Riley. Yeah. But like to me it just that toxic culture that your top players like establish how are you supposed to succeed in that environment? Right. You you know what this this is a um and I don't remember the exact uh I forgot what it's called like the fable of this but it was the difference between two kingdoms where um one of them the king raised the prince to become the next king and then the other kingdom the prince just grew up as as a king and didn't have a father his father died you know, when he was young or something, and he grew up already as the king. And it was about establishing the kingdom as... It's like establishing the culture for the king, for the kingdom. And this is where I think the big difference between Kawhi going to Toronto and Kawhi coming to L.A. and thinking he's starting something. Because when he went to Toronto, Lowry has been the leader there. He came to Lowry's kingdom and, you know, Lowry had the culture. They already had this way of playing. They've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals before. They've been the best record in the East a couple times since Lowry's been there. And it was just like, okay, you're here. Now we're just better. But like this year, and I'm not, I'm not blaming this only on Kawhi because I completely agree. Paul George did not make it any better. And Paul George and him just aren't compatible to me at all. But Kawhi coming here and thinking, okay, you know, I'm cool now. I got this. This is my world. Now everyone who comes here after me has to listen to me. And I think, obviously, that provides a complication as a coach every time. Yeah. Because I think Kawhi really thinks this is his team. He thinks he can be LeBron and start trading guys and subbing guys in and out and you know pull the cell phone out and practice and start texting but that's my thing i think Kawhi is more simple than that i'm not saying he's like stupid but i don't think Kawhi is is concerned i think la is just where he wanted to be yeah it is and and he obviously didn't want to play with lebron because that looks really bad which i completely understand Mm -hmm. so he went to the other la team they didn't really have a good culture so he could come in as their savior yeah. He could come in as their savior. He doesn't have to change who he is. He's the same guy he was in Toronto, same guy he was in San, you know, his last few years in San Antonio. Yeah. You know, he comes in there, they support his load management. And then he he plays like shit and it's now it's the coach's fault. Yep. Kawhi, maybe if you played more games, y'all would have known how to play better. Yep. I mean, it just it's so backwards to me where it's it seems like Everybody who should bear responsibility doesn't want to. I mean, yeah. PG's talking about we weren't expected to win. Kawhi's talking about we need to have better IQ. Really, Kawhi? Kawhi, what what IQ do you have besides scoring at this point? Because I don't see any of the defense IQ that I saw in San Antonio. None. So it's like, I, I don't understand. It's... It's like, I can't imagine LeBron coming out of every Warriors loss and throwing Matthew Dellavedova under the bus for not playing better. 
I can't either. Or, or throwing Kevin Love under the bus because he got banged by an elbow in the back of the head, and now he gave you five points for the whole game. Right. It's I don't understand where these guys develop that culture of, well, it's not my fault. My stats show that I was non-existent in this game, but for some reason, it's not my fault. Right. I don't think Doc could have changed that. No, I don't. I, I think this situation was just, you know, Toxic. more or less set up for him to fail. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say it like that bluntly, but maybe it just is that blunt. You know what pisses me off, though, is Kawhi had the tools to become or at least understand how to lead. Yeah, he did. Dude, he got drafted. If If I'm a great player, is there a better team to get drafted to? other than San Antonio, if I'm already a great player? No, it's not. Kawhi got to go to the, probably the best team you could get drafted to. He got to develop into a great player. And he could have learned from three of the best, four of the best leaders in NBA history. Absolutely. He didn't and want to do that. One thing that's underrated about the Spurs leadership team, I mean, the team as far as leadership goes, Two of those guys completely led their whole country's teams. Exactly. Manu led the team to a gold medal. I mean, name another Argentinian player that's good. That's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. In the Hall of Fame's a stretch, but don't disrespect. Skola's Ooh. nice, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. He's Skola not going to the Hall of Fame, but he's nice. Nocioni was nice, too. Yeah. But, I mean... Come on, man. Manu obviously led that team. Yeah, yeah. When you when you put Hall of Fame in there, you got it. I mean, you know, French had some guys on their team, and but Tony was, I mean, he led the team. He led it yeah, every even time. With, they even with about Batum's toxic ass there. Right. Every time you knew who they were playing, I mean, every time uh, it was time to play France, Tony was the guy. It was um, in Dior. It was only two guys you ever talked about. Yeah. So, I mean... It's just frustrating. Like, there's been a lot of guys who are quiet, man. You can lead by example. You don't have to be vocal to lead. We just said it about D-Rose. Right. And to me, Even like, he... you could elevate the team by committing to doing something other than scoring the ball. Yeah. That's it. Dude, if you if you take Jamal in the next time out and you strap him for three plays, you don't think that elevates uh, Montrezl on the other end to rebound harder? Absolutely. You don't think that elevate OPG's watching you strap now he he got it on offense? Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's just neither of them took any responsibility as the collapse was happening. And, and then they was, had the nerve to dodge responsibility after the collapse. And there was no sacrifices made on this team. None. By zero players. Every championship no... team has somebody who sacrifices. Absolutely. Every, Every single, single one. one. We could go down the list. Manu sacrificed his whole career for the San Antonio championships. You look at Kevin Love. You look at Chris Bosh. I mean, Chris Bosh sacrificed his whole career for those championships. Dude, look at Bosh in that half season after LeBron and the like the seven years before LeBron. Yeah, dude, look, Bosh would have been a clear cut Hall of Famer. 
Absolutely. Even if he didn't get out the first round, he would have been a clear-cut Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, man, I had somebody. I lost it. But yeah, man, a lot of these guys, complete sacrifices. Whatever it takes. It's Whatever just crazy. It it's crazy oh, that I see KG. young Cliff, Of course. Oh my God. Sacrifice his whole career. I mean, half of his career. You look at KG three years before Boston. Oh my God. He's like a completely different player. Yeah. I mean, completely. I I don't know if I ever saw him bring the ball up court on Boston. No way. He'd bring the ball up court almost every time down on Minnesota. I can't name the. Other than Cassell, when Cassell was there for like two years, I can't name any other point guard that ever played with KG in Minnesota. It was KG. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, to me, it frustrates me that these guys, I don't know what the, I don't know where they learn to only consider themselves in kind of, in team, in a team sport. I, you know, I think, I think the media doesn't help. Um, I think... And this is obviously no dis- no disrespect to family because I get it, but Kawhi with his uncle managing him and right. th- that thing was kind of weird because he's had some he made some crazy demands, you know th- that kind of stuff was, uh, you know it's kind of like like Levar Ball, you know I mean he wasn't as outspoken but right. I'm saying when you have someone like that in your ear telling you oh yeah man they can't guard you you better than him that kind of stuff all day. You know, it gets in your head. Yeah, for certain guys, it gets it messes your mind up, especially for your teammates. It's it's abs it's the absolute worst when someone puts you against your teammates because it actually is a lot easier to do that. I remember, um, I mean, you know, someone may come tell you your teammate says something about you, then now you thinking about it in practice, and it's like a thing. It, It just happens. And it's always someone you trust. So when you have someone, when Kawhi has had someone like that in his ear all this time, you know, it's it's yeah. kind of weird. It's just it's frustrating, different. man. Because I, I, I don't want the Clippers to just like not be good. I would like for them to compete against LA next year. I would too. But it's hard for me to picture a coach that's going to come in there and fix those two guys. Because I <laughs> yeah, really man, don't you... care. I don't care about Lou Williams struggling. That's. Lou Williams is if we're really gonna be serious about Lou Williams carrying the offense, again, you don't deserve to play the Lakers. Yeah, if Lou Williams is gonna carry the offense, I trade four guys I have because right. I mean, if the seventh man is our best offensive player, why do I have the other six guys for? Right. So yeah, if that's like you said, if that's the if that's your do or die, then your team sucks. Plain yeah. and simple. And I like Lou. Yeah. There's no, yeah, it's not a attack. I, mean, I like on I like Reggie. I like Patrick Beverly in certain situations, but just I don't I don't know how you fix their, the two stars because no, we neither. we have a five years to me is a competent amount of time to really gauge who somebody is as a player. Uh, and to me, we know who PG and Kawhi are. As players, now it's up to them to change that. Right. We know who they are as players. Now we need to see who they are as leaders and as teammates. Yes. We know they could get thirty, you know, five and five or whatever. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other uh, NBA news? Yeah. Good luck. To, good luck this upcoming season, Brooklyn. <laughs> Nash, you got a tough job, buddy. <laughs> oh man. That, by the yeah. way, reflects the the toxicity we just talked about with Kawhi and, and PG to an extent. Bro, Kevin Durant can be a coach. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I can't imagine Kevin Durant coaching. I like how KD KD sat there listening to that nonsense <laughs> and, and ate that shit up. Like, yeah, Jacques Vaughn could step in and, and fill that role too. At least he's a coach. Exactly. Yeah, man. Come on. <laughs> Yo, but the I gotta say the um for those who don't know what we're talking about, just go. Just look up Kyrie. Just Google Kyrie right now, and I'm sure it'll come. What's the What's the name of the ETC? Look up ETC KD or something like that. Yeah, you'll find it. It was through Durant's um, boardroom thing, uh, boardroom brand. Um, saying that this is the first time you have someone else that could hit a shot in the clutch is top three most disrespectful things I've ever heard in my life. I'm serious. Hundred percent. In NBA, in NBA history, I've never heard someone say a top five player. I've played with a top five player. I've played with five All Stars, and this is the first time I have one. He didn't say my whole team. He said this guy. Only one player on my team can hit a shot in the clutch. What has Dinwiddie and Lavert been doing all season? Carrying them. Lavert was carrying them when Kyrie was there. <laughs> right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean man. It just it blows my mind, man. Kyrie, you know, I was telling Paul George, like, yo, man, you just gotta shut up, bro. Like, sometimes talking is not the is not the answer. I mean, Kyrie, yeah. my God, can you please stop talking in public? I can't, dude, I cannot believe KD, KD's not a real friend for just sitting there and eating that nonsense up. Bro, how are they friends, honestly? I don't know. Either KD's just as whack as he is and he's better, at, he's more competent or he's at least smart enough to know that that's nonsense. And he doesn't want to expose that kind of thinking. But to me, like, I can't imagine. KD has to be better than that. No shot. If you gave me a list of all the NBA players and gave me... How many NBA players is it, you think? Like 300. I don't know. If you gave me a list of all 300, 400 players and gave me 200 guesses to name two guys I thought would be friends, I would never pick Kyrie and Durant. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Cuz like they're they're the same thing. So <laughs> why would they like they're equal I don't want to call them snakes cuz that's that's too strong of what I'm trying to say. But they're equally selfish and equally not loyal. So I, I can't imagine 
Dude, if, no. if, if halfway through the season, because I'm assuming the season's going to be shorter, so let's yeah. just say, you know, 25, 30 games into the season, Kyrie or KD or Sneak, sneak Dissing Nash, dude, <laughs> I'm going to come out here and scream, bro. <laughs> you know someone's going to Sneak Diss Nash. <laughs> it, better be, it better be any other soul on that roster except <laughs> Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They're already. They, he just snuck this him already. Oh, I know. But he he put the he put the the narrative out there that we carry the team. It doesn't matter what Nash does. We carry the team. Yeah, and what he's doing isn't all that serious. Not all that important. Exactly. It's no big deal. Good luck. Good luck. All right. You you said it, Kyrie. I'm just going by what you said, bro. So when we're 30 games and y'all record is suspect. And you got like seven other Eastern Conference teams playing better. Don't look yeah. at Nash. It's a cooperative <laughs> effort, bro. Right. You can't say Nash does nothing now and then, you know, he does something all of a sudden when we're losing. Dude, it's a cooperative effort. Um the the nerve <laughs> to say that shit. Well, oh, if man. if Kyrie or KD could could be coaches, can Levert be a coach? <laughs> He'd be the best out of the three. <laughs> oh man! I mean, my God, bro. That's. And by the way, since we're on Brooklyn for a second, did you see Vince Carter just with the utter nonsense to suggest that DeAndre Jordan could be their third star? I mean, Vince Carter. <laughs> no, I did not see that. Vince. You played in the league for twenty years, dude. I would, if I was ESPN, I would have called him into the office and ripped up his contract. I think it was on NBA TV. Regardless, I think no, it was TNT. It was TNT. Oh my god! I would have, I would have called him into the office and say, "Look, man, yeah, nah, you're out of there, bro. We're not doing that. We already got one Barkley here. We don't need any more <laughs> disgusting takes, dude." He said that for real. He, dude, for real. What is his? What is the third star to him? <laughs> I, I guess uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what DeAndre Jordan is at this point. I remember one time. Um, I think it was when CP first left, or maybe CP was hurt in the at the Clippers, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it was halftime, <clears throat> and Barkley said, "You know, I, I don't really see DeAndre." Affecting them in this game. When is the last time you've seen? Let me preface this by saying people really clown on like Barkley's takes, but Barkley probably knows basketball more than everyone else on the, the TNT staff, in my opinion. But because when he is being serious, he actually does say some interesting things that they don't, they can't even comprehend sometimes. Yeah, he's very good. He understands player dynamics very well. He does, because he said, um. When's the last? When have you guys seen DeAndre score without CP passing it to him? <laughs> and Kenny and Shaq just looked at each other like, I don't know. And we they couldn't even speak. They just went to commercial. It was just <laughs> silence because they were like so flabbergasted that they really haven't seen it. Oh man! And Vince thinks he can be the third star. I don't know, man. He's dude. Dude, I don't know what drugs he's on, but they must if be. If I was Levert, I'd ask to be traded today. Right now, I would say, look, Vince Carter doesn't even think I can be a star on this team. 
I don't deserve to have a look in the clutch on this team. Uh, and I, you know, I think I should go take a coaching job somewhere since everyone on the team can coach except for me. <laughs> I, I yeah, man, look. since it's a cooperative effort, I mean, we get it done. I say trade me, man, because I'm not going to get shot. He's not getting shots. He has to steal the shots out of somebody's hands. Yeah. I mean, and I do think they're going to make a trade. You know, I, mean, I don't know if it's going to be Beal, but I do think they're going to make a trade. But it don't say, matter. Yeah, it's clear that this team is already disrespecting Levert. This team and everyone involved in the team is already shading him. Like Nash, I don't remember Nash's statement about joining the team, but Levert has he has to be in the in your first paragraph of being excited about being on the team. Yeah, he's excited about KD, excited about Kyrie. No mention of Levert. Yeah, that's unacceptable for me if I'm Levert. I say, you know, I don't think this team is going in a direction for me to succeed, so let me go. Bro, if they struggle offensively for 10 games, I might come on here and scream. Because it really, this whole, like, them building that narrative that everybody else thinks they're such elite scorers that it won't matter what they do. They're just going to get buckets and get wins. All right, we'll see. And Kyrie framing this whole season as if, you know, the team just didn't have anything, so there was really no reason for him to play. You know, that's just, that's really just sickening, man. Kyrie, even the reason they were losing games, bro. As soon as you got hurt, their their energy picked up, their ball movement picked up. They played better (laughs) in every way. Stars emerged. Right. I mean, I hope they keep, uh, um, TLC, uh, Luau, oh yes, Cabro, oh yes. I hope they keep Tyler Johnson. I mean, I don't want him to guys... lose a single role player that actually plays. Somebody's gone. I mean, you Joe. Know I don't know how much they got to pay Joe Harris, but I'd pay him. Of course. Especially I, I still him. don't know what their starters are going to be, but they got a lot of options. I know Nash said he's going to experiment with Durant at every position. Come on, that's now. already that's already that. a L to me. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Durant playing point guard? He said that every, every position. I, I, Durant, the, Durant center is cool. I like that because the Warriors did it. The Warriors did it really well, uh, and I think other teams don't have to have like such elite shooting to do it well. I think you do have to be prepared to outscore the other team, though. Yeah, but, but Durant gives you the opportunity to do that. Yeah, he does. He does. He uh, does. But to me, like, this every position, no thank you. I don't want him anything past the three. I don't want him in the backcourt at all. <laughs> no thank you. Dude, him. Anyway, man, we got we to gotta move on. We got music to talk about. One more thing. I don't think I've ever seen Durant bring the ball up court and then pass it. If he brings the ball up court, he's shooting it every time. That's a... Well, off the top of my head, when I remember um, Durant bringing the ball up court, it's no one else is touching the ball. I'm playing it simple. And for as great as Durant is as a scorer, and I do think he's incredible, probably top five all time, if not number one. My God, he he got to have some kind of record for most getting plucked by guard on like six inches or, or more, like shorter than me. Oh, the amount of times he gets plucked by small guards, it, it's very concerning to me. It is. 
It is. <clears throat> All right, I'll play Jim. Uh, give us a break from talking for a little while. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of good music um, coming up, and this is uh, Joji off his Nectar album. This is Daylight featuring Diplo. Zero. It's getting needed, so I leave the windows open. Preoccupied with the late night B-roll. Right now, laying here alone is heaven. And I've been a hero, helpless. That was Daylight by Joji. Where are we starting, man? I mean, I guess Tori's the the one we gotta start with. Alright. Uh, coming off of the recent controversy that is the um, injuring of Meg Thee Stallion, uh, I won't say shooting because it seems like that's been contested. Uh... I won't say that Tori did it, because obviously that's apparently under investigation. Um, but the accused, Tori is the accused in the uh, situation by Megan Thee Stallion. Um, she, say, she sustained injuries in her foot, uh, I guess one foot, um, one bullet maybe. Um, 
really unclear about the situation, but I'm not going to get into that. Uh, Tori decided to release an album uh, in the midst of it, in the midst of his silence about the controversy. Um, and it is titled Daystar, which is his uh, government name, as the rappers call it. Um, <laughs> it is 17 songs. And uh, <laughs> very, where do I very start? Very strange album. It is a strange album. Part of it was because of, the, like you said, the situation around him is kind of weird right now. Um, yeah. And regardless of whether he did it or not, or whether maybe the details that we are aware of are true or not. Yeah. The last three songs on this are three of the most tone deaf songs I've ever heard. Because uh, you got you got one song you're you're trying to like support black women when you're under investigation for allegedly shooting one. Right. I like that song though. But uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> then the other two songs you're just kind of trying to like uh, encourage black on black violence to cease. And again, you are in the middle of an investigation that <laughs> is literally that. Right. It now, just, if he's if he has found, if it comes out, a witness says this is completely false. Tory didn't do it. Um, you know, Meg is completely is absolutely lying. Do you still call those three songs? Tone now, death? now, I was gonna say if if he's innocent, well, he's an idiot for not waiting to be you know <laughs> actually can convince. To actually be innocent to, before putting this out, because if he was innocent, this would be a top tier album of the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should have waited till he was completely vindicated. Exactly, because the fact that you've been silent all this time, and now this is the first thing you say, and on, on you gotta wait for the album to announce that you didn't do it. <clears throat> and that's where my problem with this album lies. It's he uses this one situation to kind of, you know, he, he's doing that, like, typical thing the rapper, like, a lot of rappers like to do is assume the whole industry's against them. Yeah. But it's almost like at certain points he makes it seem like, like, people are just against him just for him being him. Like, Tori, right. nobody had a problem with you until this whole situation <laughs> happened. Not one. Dude, Not one person. Your quarantine radio that you brought out on, uh, what is it, Jokes for on Me. Or yeah. no, Just Got It Done, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. The just, one I just played? Yeah. Yeah, Just Got It Done. And yeah. It's just, to me, like, dude, you were so popular. Your music, every feature you were doing was... Three months ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every feature you were doing was making the charts. Yeah. I mean, your mixtape early in the year was... It might make my top ten list. Yeah. In this off of this one situation, now you trying to tell us that the industry hates you. It's just out to get you. Like, dude, you don't get to do that. That's 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 just foolishness. Threw Michael Jackson and Prince in there. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> two it, legends. Yeah, and then I mean, this, this album has the audacity. He throws a couple of, like, romantic songs in there. I'm like, Tori, yeah. why is this here? 
They're good though. They are. That's that is what's <laughs> so weird about this album. Would you have rather him pretend like like would you have rather him on this album not talk about it at all? Or would you No, no, no. He can't not talk, talk about, about it. it. I would have rather cuz apparently what I saw is that he texted her about like being drunk or whatever. Yeah, my bad. You know, again, assuming I don't know if that's a fact or if that's, you know, the news just bullshitting. Right. But to me, if he had came out and accepted responsibility and maybe threw in, you know, something, some problem that he had with the situation. Yeah. Okay. You know, people take you for what they take you and that's it. And then he could have came out with this. Or no. <laughs> I just, I that's don't know. I, I, I would have wished, I, again, I don't know if he's innocent or not, but if he's not then this album is just going to look so much worse. I agree. I agree with that. Because I can't take anything else you say seriously when you lie in the opening line. <laughs> well, there's um, <clears throat> just some uh, updates on that. One of Meg Thee Stallion's best friends, um, been her best friend, I guess, since childhood. They recently unfollowed each other because that girl i think her name is kelsey I don't, i'm not sure what her name is but she said that tori was not the shooter and that um meg is mistaken not lying but she, that she is mistaken about who the shooter is but again he would have better been better off saying that right like you tripping you don't know what happened like then then you make <laughs> a plausible like reason for why but just to say just to say like it, it didn't happen. Like, your people are just against me. Yeah. That doesn't make you sound innocent when you haven't said shit for the last, like, week. Saying Rock Nation came up with this. The thing is, it's, it sounds like the situation was a spur of the moment. And I don't know how, like, a record company could have, like, said, Oh, you guys at the pool party? Hey, on your way out? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it makes it seem so much weirder now. It does. Not that um, this situation was weird off rip, just to be clear. Yes, the conflicting stories to me have foggied up certain people's, you know, uh recollection or uh testimonies so to speak to me, yeah. you know. One day it was this, the next day it was this, and now it's Tory. Uh, yesterday it wasn't Tory. Yesterday it wasn't even a gun. One day the gun had nothing to do with the injury. You know, it was like, it was a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden, she comes live. Yes, this guy, Tory, shot me. Like, okay. You say that now, it was like two weeks ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's, and then... You know, Tori said on here that he drove her to the hospital, I guess. Or, or that line, he says, if you felt like your life was in danger, then why were you still with me for the rest of the night or something? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't know if Tori is making it more foggy or if it's... I don't know, man. But I, I will say I love this album. I actually, I absolutely love it. I don't, this album I don't think is, there was a song that like was bad. This album has upper echelon, I would say legendary rapping on here. Like, I can't remember the last time I've heard 
a complete album with better rapping than on this album. I mean, obviously there's songs he doesn't rap on because anyone who knows Tory knows how, you know, his versatility as far as that goes. But the bars on here, I, I honestly can't remember the last time I've heard better bars on an album. I know I've, I know I have, but it's like, you got to think about it for sure. I have to think about it. Yeah. Seriously, think about it. Cause I mean, dude, to me, uh, sorry, but I had to, and bittersweet, where it's just OD. They were like top-notch disses. OD. I was like, whoa. Legendary. JoJo got some. Asian Doll got some. Dream Doll got some. J.R. Smith got some. Maul from the Joe Budden podcast got some. <laughs> Kalani got some. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the worst part is... 90% of the people you diss were black women. <laughs> yeah, that's, again, that makes, <laughs> care, dude, care for you, he specifically, I don't remember the line, but it's like, black like, women, I will protect like, you. Like, we gotta thing. treat black queens, you know, like, we gotta value them. Like, dude, what the fuck? That makes, you can't do what you were doing in the first half of the album and then just throw that on here. I replayed that song the most, by the way, because I really do like it, but... <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, like he's man, such a good artist, dude. If he if he gets proven innocent, people are gonna come back to this, and it's gonna be a classic, low key. I agree. If everything he's saying on here is true, oh this my is a classic. God. This is a complete classic. Anyone who said Tori did not have a classic, this is it. This album is ridiculous, and I'm listening to it obviously as a Tori fan, obviously understanding the intricacies of this investigation like the like i said it's foggy everyone else's um everything everyone is saying sounds weird to me yeah but man the music sounds great the rapping sounds great the singing sounds great dude he's as i told you man he proved himself on here there's no doubt about him as an artist from here on out none None. I mean, I'm, you know, anybody who listens to him enough knows there weren't any doubts coming into this. Right. Uh, but as far as just musical talent, holy shit. But, I, I mean, we haven't heard him spitting like this nonstop on a full album. The nonstop part really got me. I've heard him, I've heard him spit, like, crazy well. Yeah. But the fact that he just had it rocking for, like, long stretches. Yeah, I mean... What, like maybe four of these songs? Like this is an interlude and then there's like maybe three actually just singing songs? Probably. Yeah. And then the rest are just all just nonstop bars. Bars. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it's solid, man. It's a really, really solid project. I love it. I've been playing it over and over again. Um, I hope he's innocent so I can enjoy this. Not no. feel weird about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the songs I can enjoy, like although "Care for You" sounds crazy with the situation, I enjoy it. Even you know, I I, yeah. I just pretend like it's not him singing. I'm it. the same way with "Bittersweet." Bittersweet, it's I like, enjoy. I, I don't understand what is Kalani supposed to do, but you know, if if she believes you did it, why would she not <laughs> take you off the shit? Right. It doesn't matter how long y'all were friends, but at the same time, I'm like, damn, bro. He really, like, he fucking came after her. 
Yeah, he did. And if he really innocent, like people got the uh, people got have to apologize to him for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, a woman. <sighs> I mean, I felt that in my soul. Listen to that, man. Yeah, I really liked uh, Queen and Slim. That was probably my favorite. I loved it. I love that too. This is, I mean, I I didn't like the amount of religious undertones on here. I will say that. Not that I have a problem with that in music. I just didn't like it from Tori. This that was probably the worst from the um the worst as far as the uh like you know the situation and him talking yeah, thing right, for me. Right. It <laughs> doing all that and talking about how close he is to God was kinda you know, that kinda felt weird to me. Especially when he would talk about that, and then, like, <laughs> the next line <laughs> will be something, you know, about selling drugs or telling who the shooters yeah, to aim it's at. Almost, that's like, what I'm saying. This album, tone-wise, is just so, like, it just flips. Yeah, it does. It flips, and if he's lying now, it like, it's hard for me to listen to it and take this shit seriously. Yeah. Because now you tell me about all this shit when you really none of it. Right. Yep. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's go MGK. MGK, man. I, dude, I was excited about this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was. This was um. I don't even know how to describe how I feel about it. I mean, it's good, but um, this was like a wild sidestep to me. Yeah, this was like, this wasn't like a dip in the pool. This was like a full dive in. Yeah, that's what. That's was. where I was caught off guard. Is I I knew he was heading in this direction because mm-hmm. I've been listening to like the random stuff he's put out, a lot of the like the samples and stuff. Yeah, uh, but it still seemed like he still sounded to me like a rapper who's kind of just you know just dipping his foot in the pool, trying out some of the rock sound because mm-hmm. you could tell he he would sound good with it. Yeah. Uh, but this album, like I said, was just a dive right in. It was. And what's crazy is, I mean, I, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he fits the genre pretty well to me. Absolutely. He, I mean, he fits right into that, like, all-American rejects kind right, of sound. Right. And I, I, love, I love how quick this album is. Yeah, I do too. I mean, dude, this album no is 15 nonsense. tracks. It, Dude, it you fly through it. Yeah. I mean, there's like maybe two songs over three minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a song in the middle and a song, Lonely, and the last track that I can't remember the name off the top. Play This When I'm Gone? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, to I'll me, throw... even those songs yeah. didn't drag at all. Right. Uh, but man, he just flies through each song, and it sounds great. Uh, his verses are like, like good rock verses because, yep. again, they're short. They're to the point. They go from hook to hook. Yeah, uh, and I just think he did a good job, man. Yeah, and I, I think I think the subject matter on here was good for the genre too. It didn't feel like he was talking about, you know, it didn't sound like a rapper as far as what he was saying. Yeah. It didn't sound rappery. And that's what I thought. That's why I was confident in him going to this genre was because the subject matter from him has always been kind of more of like a rock 
kind of vibe. Yeah, especially when he does the, you know, harmonizing, singing thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just nailed it here, man. I, the feature choices were great. None of them, none of them, like, stole anything from nope. him. They just all enhanced to me. This album, like, this album especially doesn't slow Hulk. down, too. No, Like, I was really, I was expecting a slow song after, like, the first five yeah. And it really never happened. Maybe the last track slowed it down a bit. Yeah. Uh, but I don't mind that from the last track. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of this, man, was just super high energy. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing to add to that. I mean, that, this was pretty... Yeah, man. I mean, I'm a super fan, so he's like my top tier in my must-listen-to artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, obviously I'm a little biased, but I, I thought he sounded great, man. I would definitely recommend this, even if you're not a fan of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. If you like MGK and or like right. um, alternative rock, yeah, this was good. Really good. It had a little Paramore feel to it, obviously. I mean, he was, he was, he fit right into the genre. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about Joji. Nectar. Man, this one was tough to get off of. <laughs> yeah. I'm so I'm so happy I listened to this last. Uh, <laughs> because like I went Daystar, MGK, and then Joji. Okay. And then MGK, you know, I liked it because I've been a fan and I kind of was expecting some of that sound. So I listened to that a bunch. Mm-hmm. And what was Another reason why I liked it is, again, you flew through it. You could listen to it three times in like an hour and a half almost. Yeah. Uh, This one was a little bit longer. It was. Honestly, coming into it, I was getting a little fatigued because we didn't have really anything big to review for like two weeks prior to this. Right. Uh, So I was kind of like, all right, I got my two albums. You know, I enjoyed listening to both of them. I'm not really pressed to listen to this. Right especially being 17 tracks yeah but thank god i did because man this guy this guy's really establishing himself yeah i mean he he has found a signature sound for him yes and to me he's and i used to think about this when i was like kind of early college i think when we first met but we weren't really like friends like that yet Mm -hmm. uh i remember like, I, I got into R&B kind of late in high school. Mm-hmm. But, but I remember every time I listened to R&B for, you know, multiple albums, it kind of got, like, kind of old, kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't, there's like, there's something I'm missing in R&B that I kind of need. Yeah. And to me, I think elect- he uses electronic music and mixes that with R&B like exactly like I wanted the two genres to mix. Mm, okay. Because to I me like as far as his lyrics, as far as how he delivers lines, it's primarily R&B. Yeah. But the the production is like it kind of like maneuvers genres almost. Yeah. Where he he's got a lot of R and B, but then he'll throw electronic in there, and then he'll kind of make it a little faster, make it a little more pop sounding. Yeah, and he has a way of making it be lo-fi, but not his energy in the song being lo-fi. Yes, which I think is is pretty uh, impressive. And, and I gotta say, man, I love this album. It's a really good album, man. I mean these three these three albums, I couldn't listen to anything else because 
I was just I couldn't get off these three albums. This was probably the best weekend of the year, I would think. I I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, this album is like he he mixes up like he kind of slows it down, picks it back up every time it feels kind of a little too slow. Mhm. Uh and I just love how it sounds like he's experimenting with his sound yet he's super comfortable in it. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Uh, and that to me, like, he got me excited going from track to track, because while this album is kind of similar with its overall sound, yeah, the songs like progress and they kind of switch up small things to make it sound totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this album to me was like a must. Like I had to go back to it as soon as I finished it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's it's really it's one of those it's hard to pick up all the the little little interesting sounds, just off the first listen. Yeah. Uh, but man, I loved pretty much everything about this album. You got a top three. Um, TikTok, I would say Afterthought is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I really like Sanctuary as a single, too. And it, it still stayed as one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, this was another... I think Joji and MGK both had... Like, singles set up their albums very well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I heard a number of these singles. I heard Give Me Love. Uh, I'd also heard Run three in a row. And I, they set me up to kind of know what I'm going to hear. Yeah. And... They did it really well. I And I, I think, to your point about him um, being comfortable with uh, experimenting, I think he's just so comfortable being different. Like, I, I think this is this is so who he is. This is probably so easy for him. Yeah. That it sounds so different to us, but he's it's just real for him. Yeah. You know, this is him. And, uh, I mean... That always is the easiest thing to do for an artist. Yeah, he, he's one of those artists, too. Like, you never really know where he's going to go next. Yeah. Like, he, to me, has not maybe not perfected. I think that's a bit of a stretch. But he has mastered that what Gambino did in uh, the, uh, the Pink album. Mm-hmm. Why do I always forget its name? The Internet? The Internet. Because the Internet. Yeah. Uh, to me, he perfected like the sounds that Gambino played with on that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's almost like he took the best sounds and he kind of just put his stamp on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it just, I really like that electronic R and B mix, man. It sounds so good. Yeah, I do too. My um, my top three was uh, High Hopes. I liked a lot. Nitrous, I liked a lot, and then obviously after that, after that is like a standout from really from Sanctuary all the way down to after that. You know, I liked everything except for I didn't really like Pretty Boy that much, but everything else, (laughs) you know, dude, I I really don't want to ever hear Lil Yachty again. I hate that Yachty, like, I hate how some of the coolest artists try to work with him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I Why? hate that too. Kyle, what is Kyle doing? I mean, I you know they made a hit, but it's just it's weird to me, man. There's so many artists I like like force Yachty features, or they either force them or like they accept 
his call for them. I don't know. Which man. is bizarre to me. Like it's just and they kind of they're so good that a lot of times they elevate him to sound like decent. Yeah. Like I think Moneybag Yo fools people to thinking Lil Yachty can actually rap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know to me, mean, it's yeah. just it's crazy. I I don't. I've had enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've always been a really big uh, Omar Apollo fan, so my. And maybe that's why I like High Hopes a lot, but I also really like Sanctuary, so that's why I think that whole stretch dude, all the way down dude, to for Afterthought. Me, for I like. me, from Afterthought to the end of the album, I couldn't get enough. He's he sounds, I mean, because his. I'm trying to say this like, I mean this positively, but because his sound isn't so, um, uh, like impressionable. It's very easy to hop on with him as a feature, I feel like. Yeah. Like, because his sound isn't dominant, you know? Because mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of these songs are really beat heavy. And then, he, you know, he sings over them. Like I said, the beat can be lo-fi, but he finds a way to sing differently, not lo-fi. Yeah. And I feel like uh, the features, just like, they just felt so smooth. Other than... <laughs> The f- other features were just so smooth into it. Like, it was just easy. Yeah. I, he has a very good balance of not letting... He never overpowers the beat, and the beat never overpowers him. Yeah. And I think... Yeah. I don't know if that's like... It's kind of a mix of him being really good and the production being really good. Yeah, that, and that usually comes from being really involved with the production. Exactly. You know? He probably was there the whole time the beats were being made, or someone close to him made all the beats something like that yeah i'm sure uh a lot of the i'm sure that a lot of the 88 rising guys like kind of make music together yeah because they they like maybe not borrow each other's sounds but they play off each other's sounds so well yeah yep all right um do we have anything else music wise? No, something we got to talk about, and we've forgotten to talk about it for like two months. Mac, Mac Miller's re-release, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, I had so much fun with it uh, because it was like a pinnacle of my childhood. Yeah, uh, I remembered like a majority of the songs, man. It was, I, I forgot how much fun it was to listen to him, honestly. Yeah, man, he was he was a really cool dude, uh, <laughs> and he he was always. You're right. His music was just fun music. Yes. He was bringing back fun rap yes. for a long time, because you know it was at the point where, you know, Drake was kind of taking rap to like this depressive, <laughs> like this like straight depression sometimes. Yeah, the R and B kind of direction. The diary rap, the, like. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, like, that's a great way to phrase it, yeah. Yeah, Drake was taking diary rap to a next level, but Mac was still in his own, you know, we we're just having a good time yeah. just rapping. Yeah, man, yeah. I mean, there were so many tracks on here that I just remember, like, hearing in people's cars, hearing on the basketball court, hearing, like, at school, uh, just yeah. hearing it when I'm visiting friends, even. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just I had a lot of fun with it. He's underrated for his videos too, like the older videos. Yeah, he had fun videos. I really enjoyed his videos when he was younger. Um, yeah, man, I 
I don't know. I don't have. Yeah, I don't really have like I, a I deep have dive more on to it say. or anything. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I want to have more to say because I feel like it's it is more feeling than it is like music. Because I don't have like a critique on the music because it really is just I just like listening to it. Yeah, you know, it's really smooth too. Like it, it, it's weird. I think Kids is his best mixtape. And mm-hmm. to me, it doesn't really feel like one. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, definitely go listen to that for the younger people who were too young to listen to Mac at that time. Um, Mac Miller, we're talking about, obviously. Um, kids, 2010. Yeah, I can't believe it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I do have some breaking news. Bryson Tiller's album. Oh, yeah. I forgot to text you that today. Tomorrow. <laughs> Finally! <laughs> oh, my The Drake gosh. feature. Yes. We're getting the Drake feature. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. We've waited so long for this. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. If that song is not good, I will never listen to Bryson again. I may never listen to Drake again if it's not good. Because... How how long have we, how long has the music industry been asking? Dude, I don't for think Drake I could grow Bryson? facial hair back when we were asking for this. Yes, yes. It's it's been a minute. I mean, I remember when he first came out, and everyone was like, "Oh, he's not from Toronto." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like some people still think he's from Toronto. Yeah. I mean, he was gonna fit right into OVO, but. He took his, you know, took his own way. Cool. But it was something that, it was like the, uh, <laughs> I know this is an OD comparison, but I don't know of like another way to say it, but it was, it was like the, uh, LeBron and Kobe finals we never got. <laughs> that is OD, but I got you. <laughs> it was like, we knew if it got together, we would love it. But it just just didn't happen. I don't understand why it took so long. <laughs> no, I really either. don't. He could have saved his last album putting that putting that in there. Yeah, the whole album. Yeah, easily, especially easily at that time for Drake. Yeah, and him coming off Trap Soul, people did not, people didn't even think he could put out bad music. Right. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Well, <laughs> sometimes, and some, like, with Bryson, um, sometimes, like, you read his track lists, and you know, like, you know where he's about to take you, you know? Yeah. He's one of those guys, you know, that all the songs sound so eerie, years go by, always, forever, we've heard already, I'm ready for you, things change, sorrows, out of time. Keep doing what you're doing next to you. Come on, man. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I will say, uh, Drake's. I saw Drake's thing leaked uh, on on a website that you know we both used to download shit. You, did you download it? I couldn't. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was ten tracks, and I don't know if it was real or not, but it was. 
a bunch of tracks I've never seen. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't remember if I saw features on there or not. So maybe maybe that's coming soon. Yeah, it got well. Yeah, the, he put the billboard up. Um, OVO. Uh, it said OVO this Friday. Yeah, so. supposedly. Maybe, if it's him, that would be just bananas. I mean, we. <laughs> I'll you, have to take back this week being the best exactly. week. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I was kind of hesitant to to hop on that with you because I'm like, dude, supposedly there's all this stuff coming tomorrow. Drake and Bryson on the same weekend. What What am I gonna do? I can't listen. I, I, everything else is gonna have to take an L. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whoever I think two chains maybe. That was dumb of him. Yeah. He knows Drake, doesn't he? I mean, simple phone call. Yo, Chains, you know I'm coming out this weekend, yeah, right? Can't, can't do it, bro. Yeah, push it. Give it a couple weeks. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> I don't have anything else. Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro. Crickets. I mean, I'm, I'm not excited about him coming back in probably his worst, like, performance. Right. But I do like that he's, like, they're <laughs> putting him in the current Spider-Man universe. They're not fucking, like, doing something random. But is he... <laughs> is he gonna, like, become Electro again? I, <laughs> that's, that's the part I... That's the question, yeah. I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. Well, he has to, I guess. Because, um... I got big expectations from Spider-Man, man. I was disappointed by the last one. You know, I really like the last one, man. That's it's crazy. It's good, but I just... That, that villain twist, just... I'm just not feeling it, man. <laughs> yeah, I got you. That, that twist is, like, played out. I don't know if it's because I watch uh, a lot of anime or what, but that twist just, I feel like I've seen it in almost every anime I've watched. Like the smoke and mirrors yes. thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is getting played out. Um, I'm getting tired of it too, honestly. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I will say uh, I am excited for the stuff Disney Plus got coming. Oh yeah, yeah. WandaVision and um I saw the announcement for something What's else. The, was it Loki the Loki thing? No. I don't think I don't think it was Loki. What um, was the other like duo they had? Oh, uh It was Falcon and Falcon and um, Winter Soldier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they could do some good shit out of like with his show. Yeah, I do too. A lot of like the more military based stuff. Yeah, I think that could be very interesting, and I mean, WandaVision—the trailer got me excited and confused, but in a good yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, and Mandalorian—if you're not hip, please, please get hip. Yeah, for sure. I'm ready for that too, for sure. Uh, all right, I'll play a gym real quick, and we'll be right back uh, to close it out. This is uh, Rihanna J and Duckworth. Love me like. Love me like it's our first time. 
Love me like it's our last Love me like it's forever Love me like you know it's too fast When this plane land, I don't wanna do shit but hold your hand In the middle of the street like this, my man Or we can dance to that traffic jam uh, You can show me round town Show me how it lights up when the sun go down Till the waters rise up, then we both drown In the cover of the night, or whatever you like I could stay. You know I wish. You know I wish. Don't tell me not to go. I'm gonna. Not to go. Fuck around, miss my plane. Fuck around, I'm just playing. But love me like it's our first time. Love me like it's our last. Love me like it's forever. Love me like you know it's too fast. Love me like it's the first time. Love me like it's the last. Love me like it's forever. Love me like you know it's too fast. Love me like you know it's too fast. I move like speak so I can't slow down. Only got one night in your town. I wanna take a dip in your river. Fuck that. I wanna drown deep in your water like a fish upstream. How the hell you fit the ocean in your jeans? I'm the only duck swimming in that. Hit a big wave, then we big back. Pull up in the town, then I hit the stage. Rage, then I get the big stacks. Ooh, money make the booty go round. Lodge, break backs like a broke nigga with a Kit Kat. Throw the ass out, home run with a big bat. Drive wide low, I don't know where you sit that Beat, beat, beat. Park that shit right on my lap with a hook at. Love me like it's our first time. Love me like it's our last. Love me like it's our last. Love me like it's forever. Love me like it's forever. Love me like you know it's too fast. Too fast. That was a uh, Rihanna J and Duckworth. Love me like. Um, yo man, did you see the new, uh, the Netflix movie with Tom Holland and Pattinson? No. Is that good? Devil All the Time? No, I haven't seen it yet. I was gonna watch it, um, tomorrow, actually. I watched uh, something kind of random, uh, some scary movie, The Ritual, also on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. it's, it's good, man. It's, if you're a horror fan, definitely check that one out. Yeah, for good, sure. Good, like, atmosphere scares. Yeah. Did you um did you see the Umbrella Academy season one and two? No, what about it? Uh my girlfriend watches it. Season two was pretty good. Oh, okay. I liked it. Yeah. Season I liked season two better than season one, but like it needs it still needs season one. But I, I liked season two better, actually. I got you. They're, Netflix is kind of pressing with a lot of the shows, I feel like. What do you mean? It's just a lot. I feel like they got so much stuff coming on there. Yeah. It's kind of getting diluted because a lot of it is kind of like the same type of shit. I- I'm really getting tired of the uh, the Stranger Things kind of team-up thing. Yeah. Where it's not always kids, but it's o- it's been often like kids. Uh, or it's just like a random group of people that they slowly bring together. Like mm-hmm. that shit, the way they're they're doing that is to me is starting to kind of look the same. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, 
The um, the other thing that's really tough about Netflix is how many shows are like only going one season that are originals. Yeah, that's annoying too. Cause like you're flipping through the shows that like, like you you question if they're really that good because you're one season and out. You know, uh, another thing you forget the show because a lot of the times you gotta wait for a while. Yeah, like I honestly forgot the, that I watched The Boys season one until I started seeing like consistent trailers for it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I really like that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you see season two yet? No, no, it just came out in full. I was waiting for that. Uh, I'm gonna check it out at some point. I'm trying to catch a yeah, moment when I could like binge it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched uh, that one without my family, so I will have to figure that out by myself yeah. is one of those yeah um definitely gotta check that uh i'm glad that good tv is coming back though because there was yeah. quarantine time it was getting kind of rough it was it was looking like there was no way out but I'm, I'm glad they figured it out especially movies you know figuring that out um good movies being able to be streamed has been um a blessing uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything else really to add. Yeah, we'll be back uh, next time. We'll be back. I'm hoping the finals won't be over, but there's a good chance that they will be. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about you know what happens, where both teams go. What's what's LeBron's you know label coming out of this run? Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, we'll get into it. I'll save that for next week. <laughs> well, go ahead. I mean, LeBron definitely takes another step towards Jordan with this title. Yeah. That's that's completely fair to say. I don't care. Bubble or not, man. This, this is a legit title run to me. It's a legit yeah. playoff run. Yeah. It is. It is. All right, uh, I'm gonna play some uh, throwback. Um, the weekend featuring Drake. This was kind of a sleeper to me. Um, I feel like Drake's verse on this goes unnoticed, but this is "Live For" by The Weekend. So before a day got me feeling too low They're trying to make me slow down Trying to tell me how to live I'm about to lose control Well they can watch me fuck it up all in one night I'm in my city in the summer Camoed out leather booty Kissing bitches in the club They want a threesome Then some Spend whatever come in fucking income Me and my niggas, we ain't never going broke And you have to do it all just to know where it gets you Living dreams we can never afford Now we sitting in the back saying This is shit that I live for, this is shit that I live for This is shit that I live for, with the people I die for This is shit that I live for this is shit that I live for. This is shit that I live for. With the people I die for. 
Question, Cause I seriously question all of y'all Been touring the world, man I done spent racks and all the malls And they know my story flaws and all I still got plaques hanging wall to wall, dog. She just offered a strip tease But she don't look like Demi Moore Hips all on 45 Waist all on 24 And it's all love in the city Still scream XO when that Henny pour But I'm that boy, not just any boy What the fuck you think that I'm in it for? Roll up and that thing got hoes like Prince But they know I'm king Chels might hold that thing if he get caught He'll be home by spring Things I shouldn't share I mean for the sake of my career I'm not trying to stunt I'm just telling you the truth I swear this the shit that I live for With the people I die for This is shit you can't fake dog. This is shit you need God for This that shit we really gotta talk about in person There's some shit I need to work on But I know you see me working nigga This the shit that I live for This the shit that I live for This the shit that I live for With the people I die for, this is shit that I live for. This is shit that I live for. With the people I die for. 